So before we start today, I just want to take a little moment to inform you about our new course. We are running an Ashtanga intensive across six weekends from the start of October till almost Christmas. So you're still getting Christmas without any further complications. Um, it's for students and teachers just wishing to deepen their practice or their teaching. So if you're just a student, then that's fine. You don't have to be a teacher, although this is very much relevant to teachers as well. If you don't know what you're doing exactly or you're not sure, you feel like an imposter um, in any form or fashion, come to this and you'll be really clear as to uh, suggestions as to what you might be teaching in each and every posture of the series. We'll cover all aspects of technique, how to give physical assistance with each posture. Each posture, I mean every single detail will be covered, as well as the fundamental role of the diaphragmatic breath. And this is never taught. The diaphragm is the engine house, it's the hub of the whole thing. And how to do the postures with a stretch from the breath. The breath is literally stretching the asana through the body, use of the diaphragm and the bandha. The, the bandha is only there to facilitate the diaphragm. The diaphragm is the deepest aspect of one's being. Anyway, if that intrigues you, come and find out. Um, we are available still for bookings. And uh, the approach will also uh, relate to the classical Indian philosophy, so classical yoga philosophy, but in an approachable way, in a modern context, in a, in a way that relates to everyday life and and clarifying all the terms and all the aspects that maybe you're not completely clear on. So as you know, I'm always approachable and accessible, and that's what I try really to, to be in this teaching. Um, we'll have time to practice together as well, and you'll always have access to me as the rest of the group. Even when we're done, we will set up a group and community so you have a full range of people to support you and guide you and inspire you even after this thing is done so that it doesn't stop when we've done the intensive, this is just the start. Anyway, if that intrigues you, please have a look at the website. It's www.keyonyoga.com. You can find the yoga intensive in there. Sign up soon uh, or ask me any question you want and uh, we can discuss it further. All right, I hope to see you there. And now let's get back to the podcast. So today's guest is Paul Danahan. Now, welcome, Paul, to Keyon Yoga. Lovely to have you. Thank you. Pleasure um, to be Paul's here, Adam. Completed a PhD, and he is the founder and uh, owner of Samahita Yoga Retreat in Thailand. So um, it's great to have you, Paul. And I suppose just to start, I have to start at the normal place and just ask you how you got into yoga, and, and was it Ashtanga Yoga you first got into, or how did that whole thing progress that landed you in Mysore? Yeah. Okay. Well, long, long, long time ago. <laughs> When I, when I was 16, actually uh, living on a farm in France, there was some sort of different, what I might call, inner experiences happening there. Um, but, but I couldn't sort of, I didn't have any uh, like platform or model to kind of relate it to or understand, me, me just being like a young mm. guy in, in Ireland. And so it took another few years, meaning graduate university where you know, I did nothing related to yoga. I studied economics, business, uh, and moved to New York. And, and this was the early to mid-90s in New York. And um, uh, I I kind of, walked, you know, I was interviewing in Wall Street, and I was like, what's the point? I'll just make money. So I left that, mm. took took off the tie, literally literally <laughs> took it off, threw it away, and decided to explore. And, and so straight away, then I was 23, uh, into um, yoga, meditative field. Um, and it, it was the first time something was feeling like connected or making sense mm. with me. 
since that experience at 16. And um, uh, though I did have a brief stint uh, on a kibbutz when I was 22 <laughs> after after graduating, and that yeah, that kind of uh, uh, had a had a, um, a kind of a zone of of, of that uh, uh, other world yeah. feel, you know. But um, but but I so I was in New York. So instead of looking at the New York Times uh, uh, serious you know jobs, uh, I was looking at the Village Voice and looking at the back page, and the word yoga was popping out. And um, I didn't know anything about it, but uh, I went along to what was a free house. Uh, turned out to be the Shivananda Center on 24th Street uh, in New York. And, um, uh, you know, it would be like a, an asana class and a lecture and, and vegetarian food. And, um, I'm, you know, that was, I suppose, my first real sort of yoga experience. And, um, and I remember feeling, oh, this feels mm. like home. And uh, and then uh, you know I'd, I'd got a job in a restaurant in the East Village, and as it turns out, the restaurant I'm working in, I get a room on the top floor above it, and in between my little room and the restaurant is a young, fresh Jiva Mukti studio, um, and uh, with Sharon and David, and um, uh, and I had a key to the studio even to go to my my room. So suddenly I'm. Without uh, any thought or intention, I'm sort of in this yoga world, and uh, and and then I started exploring more, you know. But it took me about two or three years to kind of figure out, you know, what was the lay of the land and and yoga approaches and all that. And so I'd say I'd say then I like Eddie had opened his studio in New mm. York, I think in '96. I was speaking to him then, and then just after that started there when, when there wasn't too many people um and and then i kind of committed uh, uh, if that's the right word but i got swept in uh, to a, a full um ashtanga practice at that time period you know late mid to late 90s and uh and then i um i was always broke never had money <laughs> but was teaching yoga and um uh, uh, enjoying the kind of free, uh, explorative life uh, in my 20s and in New York. Um, uh, but it took me a while to save up and eventually get to India. And so when I did, um, I made it more like a, a different experiences in India trip and was at the big, uh, what they call Mahakumbha Mela at the time, uh, one every 144 years, so they say. And... Um, uh, uh, and then I went down to to, to Mysore, and then over to um, the Kavalya Dam mm. on that trip. When I came when I came back, I was like, "Hold on, I you know what am I doing here? And I need to be over there more. I need to like practice and study and learn." It was either that or or I'd stay in New York and open a yoga studio, right? <laughs> Which would just be oh some some business route without without really much uh, chance of of growth and depth of learning yeah. and so on. Uh, and I knew I could run the business stuff well. So, you know, I was drawn more to explore and learn and study. So uh, um, September 2001 took off. And because um, my, my then girlfriend happened to be Thai, grew up in America, we said, oh, let's check out Thailand too. So Mysore actually became home because uh, we could rent a place for 25 bucks a month. <laughs> And uh, and Thailand we would pop in and out of and and 
and then uh, you know after a few years the center started so sort of had a home in Mysore from 2001 to 2007 went which um, uh, was when the Patabi Joyce I suppose his health mm-hmm. shifted mm-hmm. at that point and my and I I by then had a second child and uh, uh, the early years of no kids and six months of practice and doing it all uh, suddenly changed into, okay, you could only find one month uh, in Mysore. But I guess I did, you know, six years of four to six months at a time. In fact, there was probably only three or four of us in that time period that, that were that dedicated every year doing that many months, you know, and a couple of them were living there, you know. And um, uh, and I didn't plan for that to happen because I was like, oh, I'm not an Ashtangi, I'm not this or that. And, and I'm into like the broader field mm. of yoga. And I actually am more connected with Tiwari, my, my main teacher in Pranayama and, and up at Kavaliadam. Mm. But um, uh, w- once I was there with Patabi Joyce and um, there was there was just a connection mm. and, and something very bonded and sweet between us and and that kind of got richer over the years and and i yeah i was drawn to be there enjoy that with him while really sort of progressing through that um uh, athletic yeah full-on i was gonna say world. if you didn't you know if, if it was if it didn't strike you immediately as what you wanted to be doing like how did you find the motivation to persevere in such a a dynamic practice and reach the level you know i mean you reached a high level you got certified you did the advanced at least the advanced a series i i've seen you doing somewhere you know um you know so you must have enjoyed the athleticism to some degree right um whilst i know that you know, you know you're saying you had this oh, yeah. connection with tawariji who's certainly not teaching you that kind of dynamic asana you know um did you find any kind of sense of dichotomy in yourself or or split and you know how how did that transpire um, no, um, no, almost right. the opposite. It was almost like a, uh, a um, complementing, merging, and blending. Um, you know, the, the way I like to kind of explain it when you can step back and have some hindsight mm. and so on is um, the world of Krishnamacharya, which, of course, as Patabi Joyce and Iyengar and guys like that there, uh, is a legacy of asana primarily, right? And uh, even if in, in a personal practice way, Krishnamacharya was primarily dedicated to pranayama and, you know, meditative and, and chanting aspects, the, the legacy of what was sort of delivered to the, the, the greater public is, is a very strong one uh, of asana. And a lot of that, of course, has to do with uh, the, how the popularity of Iyengar and Patabi Joyce and that went. Um, and then... Um, uh, uh, his sort of uh, like senior brother Kavaliananda, who had set up the Kavaliadam in the twenties, and Krishnamacharya went to visit him in the early nineteen thirties, as a by requested by the Maharaja of Mysore to go to Kavaliananda to Kavaliadam because they were doing the mm. sort of upcoming research uh, uh, on yoga at the time, and and uh, so they would spend some time together in the early thirties and share. Because Kavalyanand himself had been fully trained for years in all the um, uh, Indian mm. martial arts, and 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 then asana was was a practice done to uh, sort of um, regenerate and complement the body after the the more uh, physical practices. And then l- later, when Kavalyanand met his so-called spiritual guru, 
Madhava Das, that, that pranayama was, was part of the spiritual routine. So, so then, um, in a way, all the other aspects beyond asana, the, the, um, for sure, the full pranayama practice and, and other meditative aspects was my connection with Tawari. And so that was a very one-to-one personal um, guidance and growth. And, um, and then uh, there was a close relationship and good connection with Patabi Joyce, but uh, it was a different level. And, um, you know, there was many, many people, I suppose. Uh, mainly only, maybe only a handful that were closer or could connect with or that he would bother giving the time with. Um, and, uh, and maybe that's what culminated in, in a certificate from him <laughs> at the, more or less, I think I was his last or second yeah, last yeah. he gave that to, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Maya might have been asked after me or something. But um, so, so uh, uh, I sort of saw it as, uh, well, um, even though, you know, I've sat and done whatever breath and pranayama there in, in, in Mysore and so on, it, it, it doesn't sort of even scratch the surface of what I've been learning on the other side. And then the, the, the asana isn't as uh, maybe exciting or well-developed or uh, massively as explored uh, if I was just trying to figure that out, say, at Kavalidam. So I feel, again, it's just, just fate put me into these two Krishnamacharya, Kavalyananda kind of worlds. And, and uh, it's taken now 27 years to, to kind of get the um, double richness right. or yeah. legacy yeah. of that and un- understand it mm. better myself. You know? So you felt that the dynamism of asana wasn't an obstruction to to the kind of subtler, maybe we could say, pranayama teachings of the Tuaraji, right? I mean, because I remember, I mean, I read reading that um, Krishnamacharya was kind of gave a demo to Kavalyananda um, in, in Kavalyadam. And, uh, and uh, I think he got some feedback that, uh, from Kavalyananda that it was too dynamic, that they didn't, you know, that uh, what he was teaching, you know, with the, you know it was, it was too, I don't think he took it well, but uh, I don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, actually, the, the, um, the, I think the specific advice, which is one I, I would fully stand by, and it's even informed me of, of how to address mm. an Ashtanga uh, setup, is um, keep the uh, physical workout activity dynamic, you know, that, that falls under a category of, of uh, exercise separate from uh, the the other approach of asana that falls under more like um, uh, yoga explanation, and um, uh, so so e- even at that time, the 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 government of Bombay, which was technically the British government, government of Bombay, uh, um, which included then Maharashtra and Gujarat as we know today, uh, so a huge area of of uh, Western India and um, had asked Guvalyananda to, to do a book. He did it in Marathi uh, on, um, you know, asana for the, the uh, school mm. curriculum. And half the book was um, asana for physical exercise benefits. And it actually had all jump back, jump through things in it, which are part of the dynamics that come up in like uh, Indian uh, martial arts, mm. wrestling and so on. So if, if you trained in a, in a vyayam, as it's called, which Kavalyananda did, you would have trained in these like sort of athletic movements. Um, and Krishnamacharya was no, no stranger to that and, 
and uh, if, if we understand the research of late, uh, would have found even the, the texts relating to that um, uh, in, in respect of wrestling and so on. But the thing is, uh, Krishnamacharya was his paymaster was the Maharaj of Mysore who said, I want young men who would like stand up and defend India, not like, uh, you know, like med, you know, in a trans state yogi guys or, or peace happiness. So, um, but, but if, 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 you know, my understanding, and, and this also comes from uh, there's one man I know, he's in his 90s now, and uh, he, he spent time in doing his PhD actually in Mysore. So he was there with Krishnamacharya. Uh, in the in the fifties, late fifties, and his PhD was on one of the Vedas, and he was also up with um, Kavalyananda, and so so he told me uh, of his experience in the room that it wasn't uh, one fixed mm. everybody just you know following that it was um, it was more of an organic situation, and uh, um, he, he might be in another room checking pulse and and doing therapy and other things and. And people are working on maybe it's a more athletic, active approach or, or a milder. Um, and uh, even if you go back to earlier, Patabi Joyce, uh, one of my old friends from Mysore, she, she studied in the Shala with him in, from 1965 to 1975. And she had to stop in 1975 because she got married and no woman marriage not allowed. Right. But um, so from the age of about 15 to 25, she was there. And, and she said she only remembers one Indian female sort of doing the um, uh, mm. movements, the, the mm. vinyas, you know, uh, uh, jump back, jump throughs. And uh, he, he, he wasn't teaching it to mm. the rest of them uh, until like the first uh, uh, foreigner showed up. And then, of course, it became staple it's just like if you if you go through Iyengar's teaching career, uh, he even notes in his book that he only fully committed to props when he opened his studio after his wife died in 1976. So props and alignment um, are are what he you know developed for him. Patabi Joyce, um, of course, having the specific vinyasa movements, maybe not finding enough of an audience, but but definitely a Western, we got to move. Sweat, um, uh, it 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 came alive mm. again. So, um, but but I suppose. Excuse me for going on a bit of a story here. Uh, the central point back in the nineteen thirties there was um, uh, Kovalyananda to Krishnamacharya because I have the letter <laughs> that they corresponded yeah, right, on. Right, okay. Was um, was uh, you know the work is great, but just separate. <laughs> Uh, um, the the you know physical activity from the kind of if you want it to be yoga asana activity uh, and Krishnamacharya when he'd do his tours with the students uh, uh, which meant a young Patabi Joyce they would go and stay at uh, um, Kavaliadam you know so we're talking you think he went back again like, I, I kind of assumed he took you know he kind of took it badly the feedback and, and probably didn't go back back for a second time at Kavaliananda's uh, well, I know he, he had two. Twice, I know he had two visits, and they and yeah. and they had letters. But then uh, I know from Batabi Joyce that they 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 visited there a few times on okay. their tours. Um, um, I mean, yeah, yeah there's certainly speculation uh, that Mark Singleton yeah. from Mark Singleton that um, Kavalinanda introduces the 
the uh, the jump back, jump through movement because it is with Cavalli and Nanda. We see that as well in his book for you know for uh, school school system yoga. But uh, I think that was latterly dismissed as it became later. It became later than than uh, Krishna Macharya was already teaching that movement before. But uh, as you say, I mean, it's you know there's influence from wrestling there. From you know, I mean, Joseph Alter's done a lot of work on translating the kind of you know does it come from a dand but it looks a bit different from a dand you know um so i think the jury's still out on exactly where that movement comes from um but um oh well i i think uh uh i, I mean singleton's book you could say is, is a bit older now and alter's even older than that so so uh um if uh if you see some of the the the, the later published articles around that, uh, mainly from the, that, that Hatha Yoga Project group, which involves Singleton and so on, that, um, and it will relate to um, uh, the Kapalaka Karuntakam. And I was the first one to get a copy of that. And I brought that to Patabi Joyce and uh, yeah, he went crazy. He went nuts. No, because, you know, the, the whole idea of a yoga karunta is technically completely fabricated, you know, doesn't exist. So, so then you're looking at this um, karunta text, which was there in the Mysore library, and you're looking at other related ones that, that also involve more physical activity, wrestling, and so on. Um, and in there is a is the reference to Adho Mukhasvanasana, mm-hmm. you know, downward facing dog. You don't, you don't, you don't see that in in the range of uh, of uh, older texts that involve yoga asana in them, so um, but but uh, you know Kavalyananda was training in that stuff from the late eighteen nineties, uh, and by the time he's asked in the early nineteen thirties to do the book, you know that's when it gets in there. Krishnamacharya, uh, who's probably te- uh, about ten years younger than him. No stranger to to this stuff, but and both of them were Sanskrit, you know, devoted scholars and in a major Indian nationalist. Um, so, so it's 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 not. I wouldn't even say that. Oh, Kuvalyananda introduced it. Uh, it's rather that you could do asanas in this dynamic way because we do it in the vyayam. Or, you know, for spiritual purposes, you, you lay down between that. You know, that was the point of that, that little handbook. And um, who knows what Krishnamacharya was teaching before he uh, was employed mm. by the Maharaja of Mysore, which is only early, early 1930s, which is about the same time as that book. Uh, there is no uh, clear documentation or even proof. Uh, um, and... Um, uh, you know, he he was a Sanskrit scholar uh, up until then. So, of course, it's all murky, and I don't know if it even matters, but because uh, Patabi Joyce basically championed that whole approach. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think Guy Donahue really... says something like he, Patabi Joyce told him he, he taught a mountain, Krishnamacharya taught him a mountain of arsonists, you know, just a mountain, you know. So there was a kind of sense of, you know, just throwing different possibilities out there, I think, to the, all these young kids that, who were able and able, you know, and able and willing to do it, you know, um, and it definitely wasn't institutionalized into a set system. Then, I mean, I think we can categorically say that, you know. Um, also, I mean, it's just worth mentioning maybe the Tatva Nidhi, you know, and a lot of people, you know, you mentioned the Hatha Yoga Project, right, and the interest around the, the Tatva Nidhi 
from Norman Soyman's um, work as well, right? Like, and how that definitely stipulates a vinyasa aspect to the, the asanas, which, which ha- you know, wasn't really much seen before, right? You've got the pictures and then you've got the, the idea of moving between and a certain structured way of moving between. So, you know, it's kind of likely, I think, isn't it, that the Krishnamacharya had seen that text as well and perhaps taken influence from that text. Yeah, well, um, I mean, there, there, there's very good recent and recent in the last two years uh, published research that would involve Birch and Singleton um, covering that um, because because they 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 you know they went on to to do more of a translation I guess of the Karuntaka um, even though Kavaliyadam had put out one but it's you know. Uh, um, and uh, so, so that's only sort of available in the last few years. But then, uh, um, yeah, if you look at Tatwa Nidhi, but the, the word vinyasa wasn't mm. used in that. Uh, in a way, that's a Krishnamacharya liked to make things up, and he was a Sanskrit scholar. So um, nyasa is a, is a very well understood term, especially in the traditional tantra, and uh, and even a, a, as part of um, a. a Anyone who's a, a devoted Brahmin and does their morning sandhya practice, you know, it's in it's in these sort of steps. So if you're a tantric, you're doing yasas and it's to the body. And then if you're more like, oh, I'd never be a tantric, I'm a, I'm a Brahmin of this caste. I'm doing a, you know my morning sandhya practice and so on. And it's all it's all steps. So so then you just have this sort of uh, uh, um, upgraded term to, to fit this. And uh, uh, I mean, I used to think going through asana after asana, sequence by sequence, was was like going through, you know, a set of verses in a text, one after another, and and you're learning them the same way you'd memorize like sutras, or if you want to memorize shlokas or something. Um, and so you can kind of see uh, that influence putting it together. Um, and obviously, uh, Krishnamacharya had put some of those sequences together because they're in those those yoga and usangala, right? And and um, what's the other one? Yoga mm-hmm. Makaranda, whatever that he he did put out between the thirties, forties. But um, uh, you know, he didn't he didn't go back or reference that ever again. And um, uh, again, if I go back to my eyewitness student <laughs> who was there at the time, spoke about um, it just being a very sort of open approach environment mm. um, with, I suppose, you know, you know the, the teacher having an overseeing eye. Um, and uh, uh, Tabby Joyce took his baby and championed it, but, but, but really didn't get much... Uh, even respect or, or time and uh, uh, to work, uh, given to him towards it till much yeah. later, you know. So in some ways, you got to honor him for like just sticking at that very clearly. And then it, uh, I guess it was the 2000s even before, <laughs> boom, you know, big floods came and, and he's uh, already uh, uh, over mm. 85, you know. So. What about you though? I mean, how did... How did your journey progress in terms of, you mentioned Kavali Dam and um, Sri Tiwaraji um, and doing a different kind of thing and with the pranayama and other instruction. I mean, would you like to say a little bit about the kind of instruction you got there? And, you know, you were known very much for Ashtanga Yoga. You know, how did how did it change? And, and you mentioned before that we, we came on the, the show live that you're not really in the scene anymore. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. 
well, uh, uh, you, I suppose I, I've always just been interested in um, what makes sense inside, what 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 is uh, uh, reaching me, touching me, um, uh, practice in that form, uh, and so on, and. Um, uh, you go again without sort of planning anything. This relationship developed guru shishya, you know, one to one, tawariji me. Um, but by by no means is that uh, all encompassing and and exclusive of other aspects. It's um, it uh, it was definitely very complete in terms of practice of pranayama, uh, very uh, insightful guidance on that. And then the inner experiences that that are going to come along with that, and uh, and at the same time, I would I would uh, especially in those earlier years keep up f- full on like I've been doing three hours of stangasana, and um, and so on. But uh, 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 I would also you know be in India and go wandering. Like uh, it was one of my favorite things to not actually have a plan. And uh, I'd end up in different places or ashrams or pilgrimages or up the Himalayas or somewhere down south. Um, and, you know, I had a few years of, of, of a mix of those experiences because as, as you have kids and then they start getting, you know, really taking up your time, the, the energy shifts. Um, and, and then I was also very drawn in by the, the Thai forest mm. monk uh, approach. Um, uh, actually, to, to me, that's sort of the, the, the almost the best practice environment, better than any ashram or place I found in India, because it was like a, really just about practice and in total nature. And um, and when and the few places I went to, like I was with the last living monk of of, uh, of that Thai forest lineage. Uh, he's dead now, but but uh, you know, in his mid nineties, and he was boom solid as a as as a as an ox um uh, you know without any ashtanga practice or anything like that and uh, um and uh, and then and then you know so these environments sort of allowed me to do my own stuff uh, while also uh, learn or try to understand a bit mm. more there so 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 there was that whole sort of mix and world going on and then um uh, you know, also by the time you start reaching those advanced series in Ashtanga, um, and and you're getting older, so you know I would have gone from my mid twenties in this to mid to late thirties, mm. and then you pass forty, apparently, and um, uh, uh, and and even Patabi Joyce would go, oh, old body different. And when somebody asked him, what's an old body? He was like forty, you know. And um, of course, none of us would say that, but. But there are changes, and it's different, and and you have to uh, respect that. And 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 you know, I would look at these uh, continuing advanced series, and just actually, after two thirds of the way through the second series, my my view was, everything from then on is just a variation on a theme already visited. You know, just like in classical music, they take a piece and they do a very variation on Rachmaninoff's whatever, and so on. So here we were. Just, you know, I mean, how many, how many times can you put your foot behind your head, you know? How crazy in backbends can you go and, and so on? And for a while, of course, that is thrilling. But there's a, while, there's a point where it also becomes um, uh, 
uh, enough or dangerous. And, and for me, it was, okay, I'll give up extreme asanas. Um, but I am, um, um, you know, I, I was, uh, I suppose there was a sea change from around his death, uh, 2009, 2010, uh, in the Ashtanga world. And I wasn't too interested in just signing up and dancing to like a kind of some, you know, fixed tune, um, because I value freedom, you know, personal freedom and expression. Even though I had been uh, unbelievably loyal and mm. dedicated, you know, um, but but now you know it was getting a bit different, and uh, and my mind was starting to switch towards you know further studies in this, and um, so so really by 2011 I I was kind of clear where where the academic study for me would go, and so I I ended up from 2012 on in in, in full-on, full-time PhD mm. study. And uh, and that kind of took more of the... I mean, I practiced every morning, every day, but that took more of the um, uh, direction mm. path. Mm. And so so then it's a culmination of practice, study, uh, enhancing understanding. What does this all mean? Has it come together? Uh, just because something is said, uh, what's behind it, uh, and so on and so on. And um, uh, the, uh, if the teacher says something, you know, they have to, can't, can't just say, well, that's the system or, or the guru did that or, you know, that's cop-out stuff. Uh, I, under, an understanding must be there. And I suppose I, I was uh, always interested in, in search of that, not just what's in the tradition, because I, I found over time uh, I was kind of fed a, a Brahmin Hindu diet of uh, of of the teaching of this stuff and the the more i did my research the more i realized oh that's one biased uh, view on this and and there's way more in this sort of mm. yoga stuff and then uh but of course uh, uh most of my study was actually scientific and and uh in the science side now to to really get specific on your question uh, um probably about the second year into my phd and i'm doing morning Ashtanga practice. But then, um, uh, you know, I, I, I suppose I've gone deep in pranayama and meditative stuff and these other aspects. So so other things sort of happen inside. So now I'm doing this physical practice and and it, 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 it started, you know, having an impact, uh, um, almost like a punch on the inside of the body uh, as I would proceed. And so, so then I just had to start paying attention mm. to that. And then I, I hit this new phase where, oh, I've been serving asana for, I don't know, 15 more years, and now it serves me. And it was a beautiful kind of shift. And um, uh, in, in a way, uh, all the years put in, whether you want to call it more dynamic with athleticism, I had the athletic ability anyway, uh, with all of that, uh, you know, I... I, I manage the asanas and so so then you, you 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 know you can go on almost with maintenance but you can go on with the uh, richness and reward of that investment in asana as opposed to i must keep mm. doing that same jump back jump through for the rest of my life which which doesn't pan out uh um uh, doesn't work out the best and uh, I was always very a keen observer of those older than me, 
uh, anything from 10 to 20 to 30 years old of me and seeing what was going on with their bodies and, and their systems and so on. So, so that, you know, without saying anything more, that taught me mm, stuff mm. as well. So, um, and so then really, you know, in the last few years, instead of me teaching specific Ashtanga sequences, I felt, um, okay, maybe here's how I'm getting controversial and, and uh, maybe some of the audience um, will have a reaction or mightn't understand because it takes a, a, a deeper look into these things. And like, like I, 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 in the past, I never fully appreciated the person who was jumping off and teaching their thing because, and criticizing Ashtanga because they only did it for two months you know, or six months. And then they were like, oh, it's too much and I can't handle it and criticize it and I'll set up some new system or something. But, uh, you know, I spent um, 20 loyal, dedicated, hardcore, go through all the sequences years. And, um, you know, my conclusion on that is almost back to Kavalyananda and Krishnamacharya in the 30s, that um, uh, the, the, the... Asana can be done in a dynamic way, and if you want, you can make it more athletic. And that's sort of gone off the charts mm. in a in how people misunderstand vinyasa and all this kind of stuff today. But um, uh, you know, I call that a best pre yoga, and uh, and then and then you've got um, asana as it serves uh, the yoga process, uh, which is a you know a, a very much a psychological affair, a mental transformation. And so there's nothing wrong with the pre-yoga. In fact, I'll do a bit of it myself. I like it. Um, and obviously I did years of it. Um, but but um, uh, uh, when, if you really understand, you know, the whole system of sun salute, standing poses, is technically from a, a, a different source, textual background even. Maybe you could say, in the last few hundred years, some of the um, more recent yoga texts uh, had included some standing mm. poses. But before that, zero. And even Patabi Joyce himself would say, Sun Salute, Surya Namaskar is not part of yoga. We're just doing this beforehand. So so then you, you, you take that, and then uh, by the time you definitely get to the floor on, it's a whole different thing. You know, it's like, uh, asanas that 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 you could find, um, if not the exact same asana, you, you know, a kind of a base version of it or complete version of it in one of the the older texts, and so uh, and then this question of how do you do it, and in in my opinion, uh, and this is a well informed opinion, it's that because uh, I used to teach this and I used to watch people, I'd be guiding them carefully by breath about managing themselves, about focus. And once we get to the ground and jump back, jump through, jump back, jump through, it all went to pot. And, uh, um, you, you know, I, I was, I would, I would call it highly athletic to be able to get through that. And then you're kind of showing this, woo, look at me, jump mm. back, jump through, which if you compare that to like some of these calisthenic guys, it's pathetic. You know, the calisthenic guys would show you up in an instant or gymnasts or or the way like Chinese uh, dancers train and so on. But um, but but what was going on and what is going on with all these people doing a pose, jump back, jump through, out of breath, uh, heartbeat up, 
wrath mm. of. So uh, um, it, it was. It's very clear, and it's not like oh, you have to do these to make the asana mm. easier. You know, that's like saying oh, you should be in a hot room to make the asana easier. Um, not at all. If if you're patient and take your time, you know, an asana isn't limited to five breaths. Uh, it, it's uh, in fact uh, all the all the textual teachings talk about time is needed to be spent in an asana. And I'd still consider it dynamic because you're not statically in one position. You're not trying to statically mm. hold one position even for five breaths. You're going to have a dynamic relationship with it, but it's based on key yeah. principles mm. of asana. Because I've also noticed the same so, thing. Like so f- the, uh, the jump back, jump through tends to distract mm. people in the end. And the whole thing becomes about the jump back, jump through with the asanas as extra appendages, right? Rather than the other way around, yes. right? Yeah. I mean, I, I really... Yeah. Like the asanas are like pearls on a, on a chain. The other way around. So yeah, yeah, the chain, chain. The, yeah, yeah, the chain becomes a thing, you know. Yeah, I wanted, yeah. before we run out of time, to ask you a little bit more about the pranayama because obviously you have a huge uh, wealth of knowledge and, and depth of study in that. And how does that, how do you, people are getting interested these days. And, you know, and it was only till recently that, uh, you know, very, very few people did a pranayama practice. And now we're seeing it, you know, as it's fairly common, you know. Um, you know, what, what would you say is the relationship between asana and pranayama? And if people are interested in, in dabbling in the pranayama, would you have any tips or anything in terms of how to build up and what one's looking for in, in, in terms of a quality of quality of breath, quality of practice? Yeah. So, I mean, you'll often hear, uh, and especially the old advice was, oh, asana must be really good before you mm. start pranayama. And... Um, uh, actually, uh, you have to understand asana in terms of body management and not just poses or, or like an ashtanga sequence. So body management would mean, you know, you've taken care of diet. Uh, you, you are able to stably sit. Uh, you don't have to be able to put your foot behind your head, but that might be part of your training. Um, and uh, um, wh- what it also covers is, uh, is what I would call a, a breath regulation basic breath work so what's become of greater interest in the public at large is breath uh, and some of those are are uh, sort of um, confused forms of breathing or or hyperventilation or so on and uh, and some are actual uh, uh, breath approaches and then pranayama technically goes to another category. Like, like if, if, if even if I was to translate it, it would be no breath, mm. <laughs> you know, the practice of, of no breath. And that doesn't mean you just come and jump in and start holding your breath, which um, certain people totally did mm. in the past. Um, it, 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 it's just like you don't just jump in and try to put your foot behind your head in asana. You know, you, you take a, quite a while and build up to that. So um, I, I, my experience, and maybe I'm not out there enough, is, is that still the, the, the interest, call it commitment, discipline, dedication to actually have learned pranayama properly and practice it is still pretty low. And uh, a, lo- a lot of the you know, bigger name uh, yoga teachers in the world who are basically asana teachers um, uh, would come to me privately and say, oh, you know, I've been... I've gotten too big or too famous or I don't have time for to learn this and I never learned it and so on. And and uh, could you help, etc. you see, because uh, because it's easy to do asana and then just go to some sitting thing like, oh, I did Zen. Oh, I did Vipassana. 
but actually pranayama uh, requires uh, a, lo a lot of um, progressive specific detail to build up uh, if if uh, whatever about posture if if you haven't established a regulation over the breath then how can we properly progress with pranayama so if i'm teaching it part of it is getting people well established and connected to the breath how to breathe um, how that works because uh, um, all the all the pieces come together in terms of uh, the pelvis uh, the abdomen uh, along then with the respiratory muscle of the diaphragm uh, and intercostals and how you manage these things. Uh, so then technically pranayama involves a management of a force across an inhale. And when you're ready, uh, uh, which, which isn't at first, when you're ready, a retention time to um, definite attention to how the, the exhale is properly completed. And you, and you need to have the ability to do that round after round after round after round and day after day after day after day which is why um and, and you know you you might have heard of this phrase uh, it came in one of the later uh, more traditional yoga texts but the uh, pranayama param tapaha you know pranayama is the highest tapas and uh, when you look at it uh, it, it, it you know we talk about in yoga cultivating buddhi buddhi and uh, uh, all our practices should be cultivating that which means we we really need to be in it and paying attention and then very smooth breath and very much in tune with the entire system mm. and body and so pranayama um you can't like what out pranayama and go oh i just had an amazing you know breath today and my left nostril was so open you know like the way people i used to talk at the coconut stand in mysore after asana you know <laughs> "Ooh, i love your practice uh, would be a, a famous uh, line there and uh, you, you just can't have that with with, with pranayama it, it requires tuned in uh, and and this is a sign of buddhi that an effort in a mental direction is being made and and for you to just even even be with and, and follow the breath in that way, it's also buddhi cultivation, right? Um, so so in, in which in a nutshell in a nutshell is insight, right? Cultivation. So um, the, that's why I, I've continuously seen very few people uh, really take it on and stick at it. But I I at the same time just by the law of averages and you expand the base of those uh, maybe moving out of pre-yoga into yoga and more interested in practice and uh, okay if if the if the value of breath is clear in people's mind it's a i would say it's another level of, of interest and commitment to go with panayama i think it's becoming more interesting because it's a, as, you know the stresses of, of the current times make it clear that you know the breath is is a primary conductor of these these different mental faculties you know and there's something there you know i mean you mentioned at the start though which i wanted to just clarify with you that i, I guess yeah. are you with patanjali on saying that finally pranayama is a cessation of breath or is that is that uh is that your perspective also that finally because this is a you know i mean and i'm gonna have a chat with a shandor remite of shadow yoga on on this perspective which is his perspective which pranayama isn't about breathing in fact finally pranayama is about no breath at all Oh, yeah. Well, 
um, I, I think it's too limiting to say it's one mm. or the other. Uh, if, if, when, if you were to take Patanjali in a very specific context of, uh, uh, and, and, and very few people understand the, the uh, uh, time, environment, and, and, and level of teaching that that text and the commentaries on it were put together. Um, uh, so, so what you're looking at is, is a very involved psychological practice. So at a certain stage, a, a culmination of pranayama is 100% beyond the breath, uh, taking one into, because it even says, you know, it, 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 it prepares the mind for dharana, uh, which, which if you wanted to translate that into tantric hatha language, it's, that's kundalini and beyond. So the, the, you go, you go past the breath, but uh, you, you can't just leave it at that explanation, uh, you have to, uh, which isn't of super value to the majority, just like all the descriptions of mm. different levels of samadhi um, and, and chapter three and four really are not relevant to 99.999% mm. of people at the moment, though they might be interested and they might like to quote it. They're quoting, it'd be like, you know, somebody who's made $100,000 always quoting billionaires and knows what billionaires are like. But, you know, you've only made 100000 you, and you're talking about billionaires. So, so then uh, 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 you, you have to go into the tradition of teaching, which will respect uh, Patanjali and the uh, Yoga Shastra, uh, which is m- more a, a combination of sutra with commentary and sub-commentary. And then um, if you go into the, the, the tradition of, of teaching and studentship, uh, you, you can't just leave it at its culmination. You know, that's like saying, this is the cake, you know. Great, this is the cake. But, you know, there's a whole process of ingredient selection, putting together time uh, of how to put that together, uh, the right kind of um, context, the right kind of um, texture and so on. So um, uh, uh, and, and by no means potentially uh, was excluding or ignoring that far from it. Um, and that's why his textual work or, or his or their or hers textual work followed along with more kind of specific manuals that, that would come along from Tantra to Hatha. And none of them paint the full picture, you know, none of them at all, which is why you need to uh, um, be taught it. Uh, so, so then um, Pranayama uh, is a process that builds up and um, you, you would have to have developed a capacity psychologically and physiologically to reach a point where ah, the breath, uh, even on its own, own accord, um, uh, ceases mm. uh, because you've gone into a different you think mental that's possible, state. That the breath can cease altogether. Oh, absolutely. But I don't think it's that helpful yeah. for uh, for this kind of uh, approach to pranayama to be generally put out there, as you say. Like it's uh, the idea that pranayama is about no breath um, isn't really a helpful teaching instruction. And on, the, on those lines, as we we come to draw to a conclusion in our in our chat, I would, well, yeah, sure. let me jump in what, what, on there and say. Um, you, 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 you could generally say no breath because when you retain the breath, it's no breath. And panayama proper starts when retention starts. And the word kumbhaka was first used in tantra 
after the 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 yoga Patanjali Yoga Shastra was put together. So Kumbhaka also just refers to retention, and it's even a synonym then used in the Hatha Tantra texts for pranayama. So in a way, you're like, okay, practicing it, no breath, but there's a stage before that where breathe, <laughs> and then we add in a an element of no breath with longer breath periods till eventually, and eventually, 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 uh, you can be more naturally uh, experiencing a deep uh, internal state, which is uh, indicative of no, let's say even minimal uh, yeah. breath. Yeah, thanks for that clarification. We don't want to be recommending here, <laughs> if you're listening, uh, to, to try uh, to uh, hold your breath. Um, no, build, yes, build, build it, it slowly build it. And, uh, and, yeah. and get taught, yeah. Yeah. Get taught properly. <laughs> where are you going? I mean, what do you want to say uh, is where are you going in the future with your teaching? I know you've just completed the PhD. Um, you're teaching Ashtanga Yoga anymore, right? Or, or I mean, where, where, where do you envisage yourself uh, going from now on in your, in your kind of professional, kind of, if you want to say career as a teacher and, and uh, now a scholar of, uh, of, of yoga? Well, um, uh that at this moment in time might be uh, uh, unclear to fully mm. answer because um i'm li- i'm literally in in a transition i mean my phd was um biological anthropology you know f- hardcore full time us academic world and um uh in a way it had it it had no uh academic world subject matter of yoga yet i put all the yoga and everything into it doing a clinical trial on that and uh, and then uh, uh about 60 original yoga texts in terms of that side so so in that sense um i've kind of shifted past the oh i'm just going around teaching yoga or yoga workshops mm-hmm. or something uh, I'm, over, I'm, de- I'm very dedicated to the breath and 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 pranayama, uh, but but you know my specialties are in um, autonomic nervous system, stress functioning, um, uh, uh, breath, and the uh, like. I I from my clinical trial results, uh, I I have very robust statistically significant results in terms of uh, mental health improvement. Where in a nutshell, and, and this stuff will be published in the next year, you know, uh, in a nutshell, um, uh, 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 certain protocols of yoga practice, uh, when put together, uh, clearly uh, have an effect on um, uh, mental health, uh, which is actually the whole message in, 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 the, in the history of texts, right? It wasn't like, wow, look at your body or look how much you can hold your breath for. It was a it was this sort of psychological shift and so on. So, so that I, you know, that's my broader mm. interest. Like, like I'll be up in, in New Haven at Yale, and uh, uh, my interest is to, I suppose, teach uh, on different levels of, of the the yoga world in my center in Thailand, Samahita, pranayama with that, but then also like, like curriculum for um, undergraduate or graduate students. Um, because um, the, the few people who are, who are quite involved in yoga, who've done PhDs, uh, to the best of my knowledge, all their PhDs are in the um, 
more uh, philological or religious studies and so on. Um, of course, there's people with science PhDs who, who have gotten into yoga. But uh, for me, it was full immersion in yoga, PhD mm. after. I, I think it would be impossible to do it the other way around. Okay. So so uh, for me, the interest is um, continue to expand work on research and, and writing about what uh, yoga means or its effects, uh, uh, better understanding of it. Um, teaching that in different environments, yeah. uh, uh, putting out the, the, the breath more, uh, and, and maybe in a way, hopefully uh, clear, clearing up some misunderstandings around the, the body, how the mm. breath works, and so on. How do you... But I don't intend to just uh, uh, sit back or just be <laughs> Dr. Dr. D., uh, which could be vain. It's more like, okay, now the work begins. How do you Adam. structure the asana? I mean, what's the, <laughs> have you got any, after all this study, et cetera, what, what was the guiding principle of how you would structure an asana sequence for people now, as opposed to Ashtanga yoga? Yeah, well, um, uh, the, you, you, just on, on, a, on a, a base mm. note of that, yeah. like, even if I took like one of the Ashtanga mm. sequences and I, ju I just removed all the jump back, jump through from the seated bit, you know, the sequence itself is, is, is smart. It's great. You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, but for a lot of people to do that without the jump back, jump through would feel like they're cheating. It's weird. All this mental uh, guilt and all these other funny things come up. But um in my research, I, I, the asana protocol I had I had put together was was uh, relatively straightforward, short, uh, and and I classified it a, a, as a protocol name of slow engaged dynamic asana, um, and I had protocols for for meditative uh, um, inner practices and, and protocols for for breath pranayama, but for the asana, teaching it. Um, uh, here at the center uh, mm. in Thailand, it's it's uh, just simply under engaged dynamic asana. And yeah, I have three sequences of that that aren't like, ooh, crazy, man. But if people want, just like Krishnamacharya, you want more asanas, we'll throw them at you. But but um, in a nutshell, they'll they'll have the um, uh, sun salutes and standing as the uh, as the more dynamic moving bit. So I, uh, I even like uh, if you really want to move, then you can put your a jump back, jump through and extra dogs in between standings even. But when it comes to seated, let's say it's 45 mm -hmm. minutes, 45 minutes, or, or you could so you could you could make it light at the at the active bit and and deeper in the in the seated uh, seat seated means forward, twisting back inversions, you know, Um and, and so if one has felt stiff or other stuff, well, the previous work has, has done a bit of activity. Like there is benefit in the pre-yoga work, the, uh, the elements of sun salutes and standing poses. And so I would never, personally, I think they're great. I'd never throw them away and, and I do it myself. The question is, do you keep mixing that up with the other asanas, which is the system of vinyasa in terms of even full vinyasa. Full vinyasa was a sun salute mm -hmm. with a pose in the middle of it. So, so if if you if you pull that out, which is my approach here, then you're getting okay, whatever dynamic active, but then uh, the asanas as asanas, um, and um, uh, 
you know, I'll just classify that under engaged dynamic asana. And it's, you, you know, it's, 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 it's for, especially the, the people I'm seeing, it's, it's either people new to it or, or doing people who go to recreational classes for years and, and they, they haven't made much progress in their bodies or asanas and so on. So it still has given them a sequence and a system and something mm. to work with, where, um, or, which are good points all within the Ashtanga system. It just, um, the main flaw uh, that, that I found was uh, this, uh, 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 what, what has developed um, as an over-dominance or too much interest in uh, athletic mm. movement at the cost of the asana practice. So, so my effort, and, I, and I'll tell you one of the reasons why as well, Adam, um, I taught this 100% full-on direct for 15 years, and people would get it clear from me and be like, yeah, motivated, and I like it. But, you know, I'd meet them at six months, a year, six years later. Oh, it was too mm. much. Oh, I had to give it up. Oh, my wrists hurt. Oh, my body couldn't handle it. Oh, I went to yin. So I'd keep hearing this. I'm like, I, I just, I spent so much work teaching you this system and uh and then eight out of ten kind of fall mm. apart break and then when i really start looking at it i'd say well you know it, it i guess for many it is too taxing or too much and 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 even for me i can handle it uh and back to the point you made mm. at the start of this podcast that yes it can if it's going to be that athletic yes it can limit uh, how you get on in the mm. other practices, unless you completely separate mm. them. So if you're trying to do full astanga and then sit mm. and do some pranayama, um, a, you, you're you're literally in a a different physiology. So uh, and you can convince yourself otherwise, but you are in a different physiology at that time. So um, I prefer to do other workouts that <laughs> were efficient and shorter. And keep yeah, them separate yeah, yeah, and then focus yeah. on the asana and then asana to support sitting, pranayama, meditative aspects. I hope that uh, answers that. It does. It's been a wonderful chat. And I mean, we always round it up with a complete change of a uh, change of scene and, uh, and just ask you a couple of finishing questions just to flesh out, you know, for, for people who don't know you a little bit more about you. Give me a, one inspiration just, just off the top of your head, something that really inspires you. It could be anything, a person, a book, a place. And uh, I want something you take pleasure in outside of yoga. Like we call it a, a, like a guilty pleasure. I always ask people this at the end. So an inspiration and, and a guilty pleasure, just to finish off. Well, I've had many guilty pleasures. <laughs> I've had it all before. Because uh, uh, I, I, I love my, my coffee every morning. I love my dark chocolate at night. But I, I you know, just as committed to uh, uh, watching Netflix shows or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> and, um, uh, uh, you know, inspiration. Well, I'm, I'm sure given thought, one would come up with different yeah, answers, etc. But, um, but I, uh, yeah, my, my, my process Actually, my first son, Sean, has done more time in Mysore than 99% of, of <laughs> yoga students, right? And he's the only one that was ever 
ever got to sit on Patabi Joyce's like throne seat because the Shrat used to carry Sean around and stick him on the uh, on the chair, you know. And um, uh, uh, but the, but the, you know, when I think of when you ask mm. inspiration, I think of uh, of time and life with mm. my two boys mm. and um, and and going through the the different uh, life experiences and periods and and like now. In a, without it being planned, uh, it, it sort of evolved into the three of us will now live together and be up in New Haven, them in school up the road, me there at the at the university, and um, it's it's this uh, one one year once in a lifetime uh, inspirational mix that can I happen. See. So, um, you know, I, I I look at them and that growth. Which which corresponded uh, with a whole like uh, yoga time period and, and time in Mysore and all of that, you know. And both of my boys were there with Patabi Joyce, you know. Uh, in fact, my last time with Patabi Joyce was was when he was with my second son for the first time, and he was yeah. looking at him and from every angle, you know, a man on the way yeah, out yeah, looking at yeah. someone. And the, how old are they just now? Came in, you know, uh, eighteen and fifteen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. But I'm as young as yeah. when they were born. <laughs> That's what they were saying, isn't it? Yeah. I feel yeah. the same, yeah. same as yeah. I did when I was 15. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. And um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Lovely chat. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. And and um, uh, uh, pleasure to be here and uh, talk to everyone else out there.